people think that, you know, you need to go meditate on a mountain to really get in touch with your intuition. And that could be one way, but intuition is always there. It's just under a pile of stuff. It's just under a pile of all the programming and all the kind of wounding and all the compensatory strategies that we have. And when we start to clear that away, it's like when you get in a car that's been parked outside for a month and it just has tons of crap on the windshield, turn the windshield wipers on and you can see clearly. So our intuition is is always there. It's just like we got to turn the windshield wipers on. And that's the personal development work. I'm Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your I Heart My Life show host. I always say I'm just a girl from Ohio with really big dreams. And now I work from home running a dream business that helps you achieve your goals and create more joy in your life. This podcast is all about all the topics that really matter to you. And it's about giving you everything you need in one place. Mindset, relationships, wellness, lifestyle, money, business, and career. We have it all. This is your one-stop shop for all things personal development meets lifestyle. So pull up a seat, get out a pen and paper, and get ready to learn. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams with the I Heart My Life show. Welcome to episode 245. The Power of Doing the Inner Work with Christine Hassler. So Christine is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, master coach, and podcast host who is committed to guiding people and organizations into their highest potential. She's someone who I've truly grown to admire over the years, and I actually found her years ago when I was in the midst of my quarter-life crisis, and she truly helped me get through that with so much more grace and kindness to myself than I had before finding her. Today's conversation is is really deep. It's all about doing the inner work that's required in order to go to the next level in life and business, in order to move through challenges, heal emotional wounds, and move past trauma, all the things that all of us have as humans. And Christine just illustrates beautifully by sharing her story, how she was able to move through her own ups and downs. So I know you're really going to love this episode. Definitely make sure you're taking some notes. She has some great action steps and practices for you to put into place. Let's go ahead and dive in. Welcome to the I Heart My Life show, Christine. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. I know everyone says that, and I often say I'm excited to speak to our guests, but I do have a personal connection with you in that I read one of your books back in 2009, maybe 2010. And it was such a huge support for me as I was going through my own quarter life crisis. And I know that you had that experience as well. So we'll talk about that just briefly in terms of your journey. But I just wanted to say thank you for helping me during that crazy time. Oh, well, it's my pleasure. I mean, I wrote that book mostly for myself (laughs) in terms of not because I wanted to have a book and be an author, but because I couldn't find a book that was helping me with my quarter life crisis. I mean, I could find books. There was a book called The Quarter Life Crisis, and it's a great book. And it focused more on the external, more on figuring out your career and relationships. And I, I thought I checked all those boxes. I did all that. I made it in so many ways. Like, where is the book that works on the psychological level, the internal level, all the emotional stuff I'm feeling, the depression, the anxiety, the confusing relationship with my mother, the body image stuff, all of that kind of stuff. And I couldn't find it. So I just wrote it. (laughs) And I, I still, I mean, I wrote that book in 2005, which seems like forever and yesterday at the same time. And I still hear from women that they they get great value out of it. So I'm glad that's how you and I first connected. 
I know. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your journey. Cause I know you've been in the coaching space for a while now, but that wasn't part of the plan. So can you take us back? Yes. That I, I think that's one of the reasons I've been so fulfilled and successful as a coach is because I didn't want it. <laughs> I didn't plan it. I didn't set my sights on, okay, this is something that I want. Cause what that allowed for is it allowed for me to really step into the flow of my life and open up to what's most truly aligned. And we can circle back to this, but I truly believe that when we get out of our own way and when we let go of attachments and expectations of what we think we're supposed to do and who we think we're supposed to be, life just has a way of leading us to our divine assignment. And I truly believe that being a life coach and a spiritual psychologist is is my divine assignment on this planet. My journey there was I had my quarter life crisis, very successful career in Hollywood as an agent, engaged, I had the perfect, perfect, whatever we define as perfect, like the social media perfect kind of life from the outside. And it all came crumbling down. I I left my career because I was just absolutely miserable. My fiance broke up with me six months before my wedding. I went into a pretty bad health crisis. P.S. I had been on antidepressants since I was 11. And by the time I was in my 20s, I was also on anti-anxiety pills. So I was a duck on water. Like I looked smooth on the surface, but underneath it was just... Mm. Yes. And I was a very functional, a lot of people have misunderstandings about depression. They think it's kind of laying in bed all day and being sad. Mm -mm. It's sort of like you've heard maybe the term functional alcoholic. I was a very functional depressed person. I could go out and achieve because achieving is one of the ways that I masked all my emotions and I masked, I masked my insecurities and I tried to compensate. So again, you wouldn't know looking at me, but if you could be inside my mind, you'd want to get out immediately because it wasn't a friendly place to be. So, and then also in that quarter life crisis, I was estranged from my family. My mom ended up not speaking to me for eight months because I made a decision she didn't agree with. And we had a very, looking back, it was an unhealthy relationship. It was a little enmeshed. It was a little codependent. So it was necessary. But at the time, going from someone that I was so close to, to feeling that tie severed, really, really struck me. And then I went into debt. So every level, financial, relational, familial, health-wise, career, everything just fell apart. And I had one of those pivotal moments on our bathroom floor because a lot of us like to go to our bathroom floor when we're already feeling crappy. And I thought to myself, okay, the common denominator in everything is me. So I can either be a victim and decide life isn't fair, life doesn't work for me, life works for everybody else except me, Or I can say, well, if I'm a common denominator in this, what else can I create? And that was the turning point that made me just completely start to consume personal development and spirituality. And not not just kind of the esoteric spirituality, but the really practical, okay, if we're a soul seeking to evolve, if like our IntelliKey is to evolve and everything in life is a lesson, if earth is one big school what am I learning? Like, what is my soul working out in this lifetime? And I just became fascinated with it. And I hired my own coach who I saw for 14 years every week. She's also the one that trained me in addition to my, my degrees that I have in my other training and wrote the book. And it just kind of grew from there. When I wrote the book, I was interviewing women for the book and they'd, we get to the end of the interview and they'd say, well, can I set up an appointment with you? And I would say, why? (laughs) We got everything. And they said, well, aren't you a counselor? You seem like it. And time after time, I heard you should be. You should be. You're so good. I just want to talk to you. I was working as a personal trainer at the time. And my clients never wanted to work out. They just wanted to talk to me. <laughs> they with their issues and their problems. They just talked to me. I'd fly in an airplane. The person next to me would just start talking to me. And I just had 
a knack for, I mean, I've always been really empathic. I've always been compassionate. I've always been intuitive. It got kind of numbed by medication, but especially in my late twenties, early thirties, when I got off antidepressants, it's like these gifts started really opening up in me. And it was just people saying to me over and over again, you should do this. That motivated me to go become a coach. I started coaching people in 2004 when people used to ask me what sport I coached because I didn't know what a life coach was. And then went and got my master's degree in psychology, one in psychology and one in consciousness, health and healing in like 2006 through 2008. So I blend coaching and psychology because I found as a coach, you know, you can only help people with their present and future so much if you don't help them clean up their past. And so I really wanted, you know, therapeutic tools to help people clean up their past as well. So that's the very short version of a long story. You know, I also started speaking in the corporate world and leading retreats and stuff all over the world. I mean, I, I've done a lot over the year. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. No, I absolutely love that. And we see that with our clients as well, where of course we want to support them in reaching their future goals, but there's so much of the past that is holding them back. And there's, you know, a lot of trauma and insecurities and things that we really need to work through before they're able to take the action and actually do the things in the moment that are going to get them the results that they want. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And often our goals are kind of subconsciously driven by our insecurities. So we think we really, really want something in the external world, be it a relationship or a career or lose those 20 pounds or whatever it may be. But what we're really looking for is a sense of belonging. What we're really looking for is validation. What we're really looking for is feeling like we're enough or we're not too much. And I think everybody can relate to achieving a goal, celebrating for maybe a day or an hour, And then kind of going, oh, crap, I still feel the way I felt before I achieved this. And that's the piece. Like I always, whenever I've wanted to go and pursue something, I've always had a really clear, honest reality check with me of like, where's my come from? Is my come from, this is something that feels really aligned. And this is something I want because I'm going to enjoy the process of getting there. Or is this something I want because I think once I get there, I'm going to feel different. And if it's the latter, that's where I'm like, "Mm, this isn't pursuing the goal at all. Yeah. Or if it's based around ego or pleasing somebody else. Mm -hmm. So just getting clear on what the motivation is. Love it. So what is the work that you do now that you love? I'd love to hear present day loves. (laughs) Present day loves. Well, I'll always coach people. I only coach about eight people a year. but And then we started a coaching training institute. My husband and I with um, two other awesome coaches, Alexi Panos and Preston Smiles. And I love teaching. You know, when I was a kid, my two favorite things to play were teacher and bank. (laughs) (laughs) And here I am an entrepreneur and and honestly a teacher. I love teaching. So that's really fun. I'm especially coaching as long as I have. And I've had some incredible teachers and incredible training and I've been around the world and seen so much. And I just love training the next group of coaches coming forward and really sharing what I've learned. And then my husband and I teach two things together that we love. We teach an inner child workshop which is phenomenal. It's a virtual retreat and everybody's a big kid. You know, like everybody has an inner child that's crying for help that we need to connect with. And we've seen in our work that when people really heal and connect with their inner child, their life really changes for the better. So we love that. And then we teach a program called Be the Queen, which is for women who want to call in their beloved, their man. Because my journey after my divorce in my early 30s, so I got engaged, broke up with me, then quickly got married, Four years in the marriage, I was like, "Eh, I don't think so. (laughs) Got divorced, but by the end, it was a mutual divorce. And then it took me almost a decade to meet my husband. And so that was a huge journey for me. And just like I got 
frustrated with the quarter life advice in my 20s, I got very frustrated with the dating advice in my 30s. Very frustrated. <laughs> and, and just the whole process of it. So I was like, I need to figure out a different way to call this person in. And so I put together a whole program for myself and then that's a program that we teach. And so that's really fun because we've gotten wedding invitations. We've gotten baby announcements from that. Like a lot of women have really found their king or they've just really fallen more in love with themselves and actually are enjoying the dating process rather than being in agony about it. I love that. So I'd love to go deeper with both the things you just mentioned. So the relationship piece first, because I know there's a lot of people craving that that special relationship, but like you said, also looking to fall in love with themselves. So can you talk a little bit about what worked for you? Yeah. Well, I think one of the common pieces of, of advice that we get is you have to totally love yourself before you can fall in love. And so a lot of women, especially go on this whole self-love kick and they think that, okay, if I, if I just love myself enough, then I'll bring my person in. Yes and no. More no than yes. <laughs> so do I love myself? Yes. Am I still a shit to myself? Yes. Like, are there things that I do that are not loving to myself? Absolutely. Was I in this place of total acceptance and self-love when I met my husband? No. But here's what I had done. I had really cleared the cobwebs. I had really dug deep look at my patterns with men, starting with my father and all the breakups, looking at my own masculine and feminine energies inside of me and really got to the point where I was no longer attracting relationships based on my past, because that's what we all do. We attract people based on our past issues, based on, you know, just think about a time where you dated someone and you were like, wow, this person is just like my mother or just like my father. It, it, at first they weren't, at first they were super hot and you were really attracted to them. And then six months, a year down the road, you're like, well, this is a familiar feeling. Like I, he's emotionally unavailable. Wow. That reminds me of being a little girl. So that kind of happens. And then there's stuff from social life and peer groups and the sense of rejection and never getting the popular guy. So then we go after the charismatic narcissist. Like we just have these patterns that we do. And it's so important to clear out those patterns so that we're not dating and attracting people from a younger age. So people often ask me, what was your type? What's your type? And I go, well, if you line up every man I've ever dated or married or been engaged to, I can tell you the issue I was working through. So my type wasn't tall, dark, and handsome or, you know, what athletic build. It was, oh, well, this was my mom codependent stuff. This is my dad unavailability stuff. This was my high school goody, goody, tease, never got the guy stuff. You know, it just was very, very clear. So it's, it's really about when we want to really call in the partner. Yes, we want to love ourselves, but we've got to look, like take a really honest look at our patterns and our programming so that we can attract from where we want to go, the kind of relationship we want to have versus where we've been. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. Yeah. So was there anything in particular, like after doing so much work that you felt you had to release or work through before meeting Steph? Oh my gosh, so much. But one of the biggest things I had to work through was, so a comment I would get a lot when I tell people, you know, I tell people I'm really looking at calling my person. That's really important to me. That's people would say, what are you working on? I wouldn't say work thing. I'd say my career is awesome. It's handled. It feels great. I really want to meet my person and share my life with someone. I feel like I've gone as far as I can go on my own in terms of my development. I want the mirror of a relationship. And they'd say, oh, great. Okay, well, what are you looking for? And I'd list the things, my, my top values, not superficial characteristics, but my values, like 
has to be dedicated to growth, has to gone deep into his shadow and like done his work, like those kinds of things. And they'd say to me, oh, wow, that's a lot. Like you maybe need to lower your expectations. And for a while, when people said that to me, I kind of go, I'd question myself. I'm like, because I've been told in my life, I'm too picky or I'm too maintenance. Mm-hmm. Those have been comments that have been made to me before. Like I go to a restaurant and I order the way I want to order. People are like, wow, you're picky. And I'm like, I just don't want dairy on my salad. Is that such a bad thing? And I'm so totally that's something, with that. yeah, that's something mm-hmm. that I've had to kind of like, you know, navigate in terms of people's projections versus what's my truth. And so initially I was caught off guard, but then I thought, wait a second, I'm not asking for anything. I'm not, I'm not asking for someone who's done growth and I haven't. I'm not asking someone for who's financially stable and I'm not. I'm not asking for someone who's on their purpose and has found their love and I'm not. I, you know, so I really started to go, you know what? I just need one. Maybe my expectations are too high for if I wanted 20 people, but I'm just looking for one and I will not settle. And that was the thing that I had to stay true to because the t- clock was ticking and 40 <laughs> was approaching. And I was like, maybe good enough is good enough. And then it was like, nope, I don't want another divorce. I did that before. I'm staying true to what I feel is possible for me. And I will wait. I will wait. And that was a big learning for me because I was ready my husband's name is Stefano. So call him Steph. And I was ready before he was. And we've gone back into our timelines and track things. And I was probably ready three years before he was ready. He was ready about four months before we met when he was in a meditation one day and was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm ready for my queen. Like I bring the person in. And so a lot of my time in my single dumb was like waiting and holding for what was possible and not losing faith and not letting my fears about time or loneliness or age or any of those things make me settle because there are a couple of times I could have, and I'm so glad I didn't. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I feel like it obviously applies to so much more or so many things, you know, in addition to relationships, whether it's a business goal or a career goal or having a family or whatever it is. So what did you do in those moments where you could have given in to the temptation of the just good enough? Well, it was frustrating. It was hard at times. I will, I will say that. But I, I had a voice recording of me speaking because our own voice is the most hypnotic thing in the world because we listen to it all the time of the, the like what my relationship would feel like. And I recorded it in present tense of like what waking up with him would feel like, what my relationship would feel like. Again, not what it would look like necessarily, but what it would feel like. I feel safe. I feel like I could be totally me. That was a huge thing for me, Emily, is I noticed how much in relationship I contorted myself into the version I thought I needed to be. I was with this guy right before I met Steph. Well, there are a couple right before I met Steph, but one in particular stands out to me because it was one of those super passionate relationships. I call them issue-based relationship where the chemistry is hot, but there's just so much dysfunction. (laughs) And he was like a drug. And he asked me to go camping. I'm not a camper. I don't camp. And maybe glamp, but not a big camper. Yeah. I love nature but I just really like my bed in my bathroom. So he asked me to go camping and everything in my body was like, no. And this was like way out old school, not really a tent, heat of summer in Australia camping. And I said, yes. 
And I remember laying there in the tent, so I'm camping and I had my period. So it was like, a, I was like, what am I doing? And laying there in the tent, absolutely miserable. He's out with his friends because he was wanted to do drugs that night. And I didn't another like red flag mm-hmm. going, what the heck? Who am I? Where am I? And what the hell am I doing? This is it. This is it. No more, no more, no more. And so that was a huge turning point for me, that camping trip of like, I will never do this again. I will never not be me in a relationship. And if somebody doesn't like me because I'm too high maintenance or I don't like to camp or I don't like adventure sports or whatever the reasons may be that like, I'm not a fit for someone. So what? So that was, sorry, that was a digression, but that was a huge thing for me in terms of the feeling is I had to feel like I could totally be me and I could be me in terms of my brilliance and my success. Because the other thing I heard, especially from female dating coaches was, well, Christine, you might just be too intimidating. Don't talk about your business. Don't talk about your money. Don't do the spiritual stuff. Like don't let them know you're kind of intuitive or just, just like play it down a little bit. Ask them questions about them. No. And I heard this over and over again. So that was the other thing I really wanted someone that like would totally cheer me on, but I wanted someone in their masculine because that was the other thing people told me, well, if you want to be the successful business person, you need a more beta man. You need a man who's like more in his feminine. I was like, well, I don't want to sleep with that. Like that doesn't sound (laughs) good to me at all. And so these are just the things I'd remind myself of. So in those moments where I was tempted, I would just listen to that and I feel into the possibility of what I knew to be true and I'd stay strong and I would just wait and, and I would really fill my time with my service, my purpose, my own growth, my friends, fun, travel. I just was like, I'm going to keep my life as full, as exciting as I can, not in a distracting way, but just in, okay, I'm waiting and I'm still living. Mm-hmm. And when and where did you guys eventually meet? So I moved from LA to San because I felt like I needed to change things in my life in 2016. I've learned over time that when you are someone who's committed to growth, like when you're on the consciousness journey, which everyone listening is, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this, change is inevitable. And your soul will always crave change and will crave you to mix it up and not do rinse and repeat as ter- in terms of your lifestyle. And so I've learned that either I initiate change or the universe throws me a curveball and gives me change that I didn't necessarily order up. So I've proactively (laughs) initiated (laughs) change in my life. So there's less surprises. So in 2016, I was feeling very complacent in LA. I was feeling like it wasn't the place for me anymore. So I moved to San Diego, really didn't know anyone there, found this amazing place on the ocean. I always wanted to live on the ocean in California. So found my dream place. So happy there. Went to renew my lease. My landlord, who was a bit crazy, not even a bit crazy, kicked me out, accused me of letting homeless people in the property. I was a taker, like just all this crazy stuff screamed at me to the point where I was shaking. And I had to leave my place. And I had this really unsettled feeling. And I was very upset, but I also kind of knew that this was happening for a reason. Like there was some, Mm -hmm. like I was being pushed. So I didn't sign another lease. I decided to put my stuff in storage and go to Australia where I had the camping fiasco, was there for two months, came back, fractured my foot when I I was there. So I'm in a boot. I'm in a terrible Airbnb sublet that I agreed to over Skype that was not what it said. It was was different than what I saw on Skype. 
And my friend called me and she said, Hey, we're going to be moving out of our house in Encinitas, which is North County, San Diego. Why don't you come have a look? Because once it goes on the market, it's going to get picked up like that. So I go over, have a look. I love it. And her husband's working on his computer. And he says, Hey, Christine, can you come sit in front of this computer and pretend like you're using this website? It's a startup I'm working on. And I just need an over the shoulder model. And I've used my wife enough. She's brunette and blonde. So I'm like, sure. So I sit on the computer and on the screen are all the people involved in the startup. One of which is my husband. And I see this guy's picture and I say, I know him. Who, who is that? I mean, he's handsome. And there was a soul recognition. There was like a, wait a second. I know this man. They say his name, Stefano Stefandos, like a name you don't forget. <laughs> um, and I was like, I guess I don't know him. Where does he live? Perth, Australia. So I'd just been in Australia, but I had been on the West Coast. Wait, no, the East Coast, not the West Coast. And I said, I don't know. I just feel like I know him, but I've never met him. And my friend Renee goes, you know, he's actually pretty cool. Do you want me to introduce you? Because you're both going to be in Europe this summer. This was like end of April. And I said, oh, another Australian guy. I don't know. (laughs) And I said, here's the thing. Because I was clear on my non-negotiables. I was no longer going to date men who weren't ready for commitment. And so I said, if he is open to commitment and ready for his person, then yes, I'll have an introduction. If he's still doing the rotation thing and like, sure, I'm open to meeting someone, but I'm not looking for anything serious. And I'm a, I'm a hard no. She's like, okay, I'll ask. And I said, be direct, Renee, be direct. <laughs> She's like, okay, I'll be direct. And so she asked him and he said, yes, we were introduced. We had a three-month relationship over WhatsApp, video, talking, talking for hours, asking each other all kinds of questions. I really, this was, again, right after I had said, no more pretending, no more not being me. So I was asking him everything. Like, what's your biggest wound with your mother, your father? Do you believe in polyamory? Have you ever cheated? What addiction issues do you have? I mean, I was going for it. And he was just answering everything so honestly. So after three months of WhatsApp flirting and getting to know each other and talking, we meet in Greece in Mykonos. I open my hotel room door. He walks in and that's it. We moved in together that day. We got married three months later. And then we got legally married three months later. And then a year after that, we went back to Mykonos where we met and had our wedding ceremony. So it was fast. But when you know, you know. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What an incredible story. Mm-hmm. And I love the piece around your soul recognizing him. Totally. And so how did you start to tune in to that and know like, Hey, I'm not crazy. This is actual intuition here. This is actually something I want to follow. The more inner work that I've done, the more emotional release work I've done, the more shadow work I've done, the more inner child work I've done, the stronger my intuition has gotten. People think that, you know, you need to go meditate on a mountain to really get in touch with your intuition. And that could be one way, but intuition is always there. It's just under a pile of stuff. It's just under a pile of all the programming and all the kind of wounding and all the compensatory strategies that we have. And when we start to clear that away, it's like when you get in a car that's been parked outside for a month and it just has tons of crap on the windshield, turn the windshield wipers on and you can see clearly. So our intuition is, is always there. It's just like we got to turn the windshield wipers on. And that's the personal development work. And I've seen this with every client I've worked with, my, my community that's been with me long term, because they've been doing the work, looking at their shadow stuff, looking at their inner child stuff, really getting to the core of who they are, they naturally just become more intuitive. So for me, it's been something that I, you know, that, that has just kind of come, but also it's a muscle that I exercise. So 
I listen to it because especially women, we get an intuitive feeling about something and then we doubt it. And then the rational mind comes in and tries to make sense of it or talk us out of it or any of those things. So part of how I keep the crud from coming on the windshield and I stay really tuned in is when I get an intuitive hit about something, I follow it, even if it doesn't make sense, because that creates more of that trust relationship with intuition. And how do you do that in business? Because I know we want to chat a little bit about running a business in a feminine way. And I feel like that falls under that category. So how do you continue to trust in business? Well, again, it's very body-based for me. So when I get, let's say I get asked to do something and I read the email and I feel my stomach contract, but I feel my mind go, oh, but it could be a good opportunity oh, but you know, you don't want to disappoint this person or, oh, but everybody else in the industry is doing it. That's when it's a no. So a big thing for me and my team has been, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. And we don't care about what the logical reasons are, but if we aren't feeling it in our body, if we aren't feeling like this is a yes. Now, that doesn't mean that everything I do, I'm jumping for joy. It takes no effort. It just all flows. There are some things that are, yes, that definitely take some hard work. And definitely, I mean, as entrepreneurs, we all know there's stuff in our business that you just, it's like just going to the dentist. It's just stuff you have to get through to really get to, you know, all the, all the things that you love. So that hell yes doesn't mean there's, I never do anything that I don't love, but it does mean there's not contraction in my body. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like a should. And I also have found that you know, a huge feminine superpower that most women do not leverage enough or at all is the power of receiving. And so if you think of femininity, if you think of the female body, basic anatomy, we are the receivers, bottom line. And that is one of our superpowers. Now we receive and then we create life. Okay. And in business, we've got that backwards. We often go into that more masculine, go out and pursue, go out and do go out and make things happen rather than just sitting in our gifts, sitting in our talents and letting things come to us either from the outside world or through our intuition. We just want to make things happen, make things happen, make things happen. If things aren't happening, we panic. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Rather than sitting back and receiving either guidance from our intuition or receiving an opportunity or receiving a sign or receiving an invitation and then really being able to follow on that. And I've really built my business without a lot of hustle. I've worked really hard to become really good at what I've done, but I've really allowed opportunities to come from me, to come to me because I haven't been overdoing. You know, when we're overdoing and we're over pursuing, we're out of balance and there's no opportunity for things to come to us. And when we're too in the doing mind and too in the analyzing mind, too in the rational mind, then again, the windshield gets all messy and we aren't getting those those intuitive nudges, those, you know, to to not sound too hippy dippy here, but those divine downloads of like, Hey, this is a great idea. And then the doer can respond. So I like to think that my feminine calls things in, she's the boss. And then the masculine responds. I definitely have masculine energy. I definitely use it in business, but it's not the boss. Mm. Boss is the feminine energy. The boss is how does this feel inside? Bosses, let me like, feel into this. Let me sit back and receive and see if this is aligned and then we can pursue. So I never pursue unless there is that full body. Yes. From my feminine. 
So it's not about not taking action and not marketing and not putting yourself out there, but it's like tuning into whether it's a full yes and what the actual desired action is or the way you want to show, show up is. Right. And is your marketing the way you want to market? If funnels make you want to pull your hair out, then probably not. <laughs> you know, right. there's so many other ways to, to market. You know, if Facebook ads light you up, awesome. So, you know, I never did the whole webinar model, funnel, ads, and we have a very thriving big business. And I just did it other ways. I did it in ways that felt really good to me. But yes, I worked hard. Yes, there were things I didn't like about it, but my whole body didn't cringe when it was time to do it. I remember when I took like the Frank Kearns, oh, email, funnel, model. I like watched an hour of the train and I'm like, I can't, I just can't, like everything in my body is a no. Now, no, I, that system works great for other people or the summit model. I mean, there's so many models out there and I'm just like, oh, I can't breathe. And so for me, it's really, it kind of parallels to the not settling when it comes to dating is not like settling or shooting all over yourself when it comes to business. Like just because other people are saying you should do it and it works. If something in your body is just in huge resistance, it's most likely not it. And there's most likely a better way that's actually going to be more aligned because if you're cringing and forcing yourself to do things, the metrics on it aren't going to be great anyway, because the energy you're coming in with is a contracted energy anyway. So true. Yeah. I really resonate with that this year. I completely pivoted our business and basically split it in two and turned things off and changed the way that we were doing things because I ultimately realized like it wasn't lighting me up and we all deserve to have that joy and the experience that you know, does light us up in our business or our career, whatever it is that we're doing. And like you said, that's going to bring the best energy and the best results anyway. A hundred percent. So I'd love to chat with you for the rest of the day. I definitely could, <laughs> um, but I'm going to wrap it up now. And there's one question that we always ask our guests here on the show. So I'm going to ask you now, it's what is one way that people can create a life that's better than their dreams? Honestly, to me, a lot of the things that we've already talked about really doing the inner work, not so much in the sense that you're going and digging for traumas and all that kind of stuff, but really being present with yourself and noticing like when you're triggered, noticing when you feel off, like noticing when your body or the universe is giving you a nudge of like, mm, there's something to look at here. Mm, this doesn't feel right. Mm, something's off track. The more we can be somatically in tune with ourselves, the more we can really pay attention to how we're feeling, what we're noticing, how we're acting, the more we can have that observer self, the more we can go in and, and make the little tweaks internally so that we keep aligning and, and aligning to even better and even better and even better. I mean, my life is like, you know, I, I'm, I'm finally like all my dreams are coming true and it happened for me in my 40s. And so one thing I had to do was let go of my timeline and my agenda of how I wanted things to be. Because if I was just like, okay, I have to be married and pregnant by the time I'm 35, maybe I could have checked off a box of, yeah, I hit my dream, but was it the right person? Was I doing it at the right time? The things I accomplished in my career between 35 and 40, those are the best years of my career. Like what would have happened if I had been like, this is how it has to happen. And so now I'm pregnant. I'm married to the man of my dreams. I have done everything I wanted to do in my life. My life is better than I could have imagined, but it's because I wasn't attached to the way I thought I wanted it to go. 
So to sum that all up, I would say high involvement, high involvement in your life, but low attachment to the way you think it should look. And I feel like that speaks to what you just described about doing the inner work and just releasing all that stuff, because unless we're able to fully trust in what we know we desire, what we deserve and keep moving forward, even if it hasn't shown up yet, we're always going to be tempted to try and make something happen or settle, like you said. So it starts with that inner work as well. Yes, for sure. And, you know, divine timing trumps our timeline. (laughs) Totally. So where can people find you? Well, Christine Hassler is my handle for everything, Instagram and the website, and you can get a free coaching assessment on the website. My favorite way to connect with people is through my podcast. It's called Over It and On With It. And every numbered episode is unscripted, unproduced coaching therapy session with someone. And then I break down the call afterwards and teach you about you know how I worked with that person. So people love it. People learn so much from it. And even episodes that you think you may not resonate with or like that's not an issue for you. We hear over and over again, oh my gosh, I listen to every episode because there's always something I learn. Instead of it being like a content podcast, it's more of an experiential podcast. Mm. I learn that way. And again, that's called Over It and On With It. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here and everything that you shared. I feel so inspired. And the other day, James came home after spending time with you and your husband, and he's like, you should get to know her better. You guys are very similar (laughs) from the camping, a lot of the things that you just described. Yes. We'll go and have a a chat, not on the camping trip. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Christine. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the I Heart My Life show. Now do us a favor and tell people about this episode. It's truly our duty to make sure that the I Heart My Life movement is spread far and wide. The truth is life can be challenging, but it is possible for all women to love themselves and their lives. And while you're at it, send a link to this episode to three of your friends today, or maybe even post it on social media. Use the hashtag I Heart My Life Show. That's hashtag I Heart My Life Show. And if you'd like to help me personally, then please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us some stars, cheer us on, and leave a review because believe it or not, that stuff actually really does help. And I read all of them. Please remember everything you desire is meant for you and possible. Keep showing up, taking action, and believing in your dreams.